One, two. Yes, we're on. Cool. Uh, before we get stuck in, in the Bible, uh, I just want to do a little recap, uh, and I'm going to test you guys uh, and see if you've been paying attention for the past couple of months, because obviously we've been studying the names of God. Uh, so I'm just going to shout out some uh, of the names of God uh, uh, in the original language. Hopefully I get it right. Uh, and, uh, and you guys just shout out what it means, okay? Uh, and we are playing for chocolate coins, okay? <laughs> do you? have prices. All right, so we'll start easy, okay? Jehovah Jireh. Yes. All right. Uh, Jehovah Rapha. All right, somebody else said it. Can't have all the chocolate coins. Great throw. Um, Okay, so let's go a little bit more difficult. Uh, Jehovah Shama. The Lord is there, yes. Wow. Okay. I'm not going to throw it that way. <laughs> yes. Um, El Elyon. Yes. Did you preach on it? <laughs> um, Jehovah Rohi. Shepherd, give it to Dre. Two pounds. <laughs> um, we got, oh, this is, everybody should know this. Jehovah Shalom. Just throw them around. Hopefully there's no babies. Did I hit the babies? No. <laughs> All right. Um, Jehovah Sabaoth. Yes, Lord of Hosts. Last coin, Asia. Great, fantastic. Uh, I thought it'd be really good just to refresh our memory because we are going to refer to these. Um, and they are relevant to our lives. You know, they're not just big words, uh, it's not just a teaching series. Uh, and I've really come uh, to a place of realizing how important it is to know God. Shalom. God, Rohi. Uh, as most of you, all of you uh, know, we've opened uh, the coffee shop. Uh, and uh, as most of you know that Angela, my wife, uh, works in the cafe. I've left my job and I work for the church. Uh, let me just say that it's been a really intense uh, few weeks. You know, a really intense month leading up to opening uh, the coffee shop. Uh, in fact, I have crushed... Uh, our car. I hit a post. Uh, don't know who put it there, but I hit it. Um, and you know, I don't really care about the car. It was more, you know, I texted some of the guys and I said, "Can you please pray because my marriage is on the line here? Uh, please, don't know how to tell Angela that I, I've hit a post." Um, it, it has been really intense, uh, you know, w- working, job sharing, both of us uh, working part-time, trying to figure out our new schedule. Uh, and I have to say that I've come to appreciate so much what moms do. I have no idea how you do this, okay? Seriously. In the past couple of weeks, at one point, it looked like a bomb had gone off in our flats, 
the laundry basket was overflowing, and it was like coming alive onto our bedroom <laughs> floor. Uh, uh, there was no food in the fridge. Uh, I didn't know that you had to plan your shopping. Usually, Angela tells me, you need to get this, this, and that. You got it? Yes. Okay, by the time I get to Sainsbury's, what is it? All right, I'll send you a text. Uh, but apparently, you have to plan your shopping and, and your meals. Uh, now I know this, and, and there's a meal plan on our fridge. Uh, you know, the girls were failing their spelling and their homework. Uh, the house was just in a mess. Uh, so it has been intense, but just not uh, for, these, for these things. Uh, and I have to say, probably the worst, no, it's not probably, the worst thing, which I'm not proud at all, it's I forgot the baby in the car. <laughs> but it was just my mind. I, I went to pick up the girls at school, and I got out of the car, and I'm doing, actually, uh, the cafe social media. Yes, 10 posts, 10 likes on Facebook. Way to go. All right, five likes on Instagram. And I'm walking to the school gates, and I'm feeling like something's missing. I think I forgot something. It was like, the baby! <laughs> I've never run so fast. Seriously, I've... I've he was fine. He was sleeping. <laughs> but again, one of those things that do put your marriage on the line. <laughs> so, um, but really, on, on, on a more personal level, um, it, it's been a difficult uh, few weeks. Uh, my parents were supposed to visit. They canceled the last minute. I thought, okay, that's fine. But actually, what I was thinking about, I was really disappointed in, in a way, almost heard. I was like, well, you know, why don't you want to meet your, your, your grandson? And, um, you know, those, those kind of feelings. And we're waiting for some blood test results for Sophia. Uh, and, you know, the doctors always tell you, do not Google symptoms. And you go, okay, okay. As soon as you get home, what do you do? You Google symptoms. And you start worrying and panicking. Uh, and, you know, I've just left my job and we're entering into this new phase of life. And uh, um, you're worrying about finances and future. Have I made the right decisions, and I've really come to a place of my mind at a point was racing at 100 miles per hour. That is, that is how I can describe it. I was so inside my head and overthinking all of these things. Uh, I really felt desperate to know the God of peace. I really need to know what is Jehovah Shalom, who he is. I really need to know the God of righteousness, to deal with my family situation. I really need to know Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, because of what we've, uh, you know, the, the timing for, for us as a family. Uh, so what I want to share today really comes from a, need, from, a, from a place of need and desire to know the living God. To know God as our provider, to know God as our Father, to know God as, as our Savior, as our Redeemer. Uh, I hope that in, in me sharing, you can relate to that as well. Uh, and I want to look at, uh, as we've heard over the past few weeks, all the names that we've looked at, the names of God, they always point to Jesus, right? So we're going to look at Jesus. Um, Jesus is it. He, it's it. Uh, it's all about him. Uh, and I want to look at Jesus in the context of John the Baptist and his relationship uh, with John the Baptist. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to read some verses and then I'm going to try and put 
the story into context. Have I got the Holy Spirit young people here? Yeah? Woo woo. All right, cool. So, young people, I'm going to try and make this relevant to, uh, to you guys. I'm going to try and, and, uh, and get to your level, okay? Because I'm down with the youth, okay? So, in Matthew chapter 11, um, my version will probably be different from what's on the screen, uh, but I had to bring out the big guns today because I wanted to get into the text and a little bit of Hebrew and a little bit of a he- uh, Greek. Um, so, Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. Now, when John in prison heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the expected one, or shall we look for someone else? And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who keeps from stumbling over me. So John's in prison. John the Baptist. What's the relationship here? John the Baptist, Jesus. If you don't know, they're cousins. Does anybody have cousins? Yes? All right. So Jesus and John are cousins. And I like to imagine Jesus and John growing up together, you know, as little kids and, uh, and then as teenagers and, and as young adults. And I like to put that relationship in the context of real people. You know, uh, John and, and his mom Elizabeth, and Jesus and Mary and, and Joseph, uh, you know, the real families that spend time together. Imagine little John and little Jesus playing in the garden. The biggest, the, the, you know, the most incredible prophet in history and the Messiah playing in the garden. And I imagine John, uh, you know, Joshua and Ben, they're cousins, and they play together. Whether it's uh, Lego, maybe a few years ago, now it's all, um, a Minecraft, uh, building stuff together. Uh, over the Xbox, uh, and, and, and I imagine Jesus and John maybe building pyramids together. I don't know what they did. Uh, cops and robbers, their versions would be Israelites and Egyptians. But they were kids. They were normal children growing up together in normal families. And then they grow up as teenagers, as young adults. And, uh, and as the story goes... We know that John started this incredible ministry, right? John goes out into the desert. And I wonder if Elizabeth, this is how I imagine, you know, Elizabeth, John's mother, goes over to see Mary, and she's just really worried. She's like, oh, Mary, I just don't know about John. She sees Jesus in in the barn working with Joseph. You know, they're working on on, on the woods, father and son working together. It's like, oh, Mary, Jesus, such a good... Good boy, you know, he's learning a trade, working with his father. I don't know what to do with John. Mary's like, why? What's going on with John? I don't know, he's gone all vegan. You know, he's like locusts and honey, and he's like dipping locusts in the honey, and he's wearing animal furs, and he's out in the desert. He's a bit of a hippie. He's like, you know, and Jesus is probably listening to Elizabeth and Mary talking about John. He's like, ah, that's just, that's just my cousin. You know, he's a, bit, he's a little bit out there. You know, it's a bit, John, it's a bit weird. Uh, but I'm gonna, I think I'm going to go visit my cousin. Uh, so J- Jesus sets off to see uh, John out in, in the wilderness. 
And John is a little bit wild. He is out there, but he has this incredible ministry. And he's, you know, he's out there wearing his, his animal furs and, and uh, with his vegan diet. Uh, and, and he's preaching. Uh, he knows God has given him this message to prepare the way for the one. He knows that he has this incredible message to tell people, get ready. He's coming. He doesn't know that it's Jesus, that it's his cousin. He just knows that the one is coming, that he's got this incredible message. And he's out there, and people are just flocking because the message is powerful. And, and, he's, and he's baptizing them. Come on, repent, get baptized. You know, Jesus is coming, the one who will baptize you with fire. John is all about the fire. Even Jesus says, you know, he's like the, uh, he's Elijah. He's the second Elijah. He's Elijah come back. And Elijah was the prophet of fire. He's the kind of guy you did not want to be around because wherever Elijah went, there was fire. Fire on the altars, fire on the chariots. You know, he's like, ah, oh, God is fire. God will judge, repent, get ready. And that's the message that John had. And, he's, and, he, you know, and people are flocking to him and he's baptizing them in the River Jordan. It's like, come on, repent, be baptized. Come on, repent. And he's baptizing them one after the other, one after the other. And all of a sudden, from over the hill, he sees Jesus, you know, coming towards him. It's like, whoa, Jesus, that's my cousin. Everyone, that's my cousin, Jesus, you know, Mary's son. Oh, Jesus, come here. Oh, come on. Look, man, I'm in the ministry. Look at my animal fairs, you know. Yeah, look, look check out my sandals. What do you think? I like your robe. You know, you got the whole, you know, messianic thing going on. Cool, man, that's great to see you. Uh, and Jesus, you know, Jesus is humble and uh, he's, he, he lets him do his thing. He's like, John, you keep baptizing people. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to be here. I'm going to wait my turn. Keep, keep doing what you're doing. And John is, you know, he's, he's still going on. Oh, repent, get baptized, repent. The one is coming. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit must have hit him in his gut. And he knows without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus, his cousin, is the one that he's been preaching about. And he's baptizing people, repent, be baptized. And he looks over at Jesus like, oh, sorry, man. He looks at him he's like, behold, the Lamb of God. Behold, the one who comes to take the sins of the world away. My cousin, Jesus. What it must have been like for John to point at his cousin and say, Behold, the Lamb of God, I am not worthy of even untying his shoes. Jesus, you are the Lamb of God. My cousin, the Lamb of God, that's you, Jesus. Why didn't you tell me, man? That's amazing. You're the Lamb of God. I, you know, we grew up together. You know, we used to play Egyptians and Israelites. And you were like, you like to pretend that you were God. You were not pretending. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. You, the Lamb of God. Look, man, you know, when I pushed you in the River Jordan, I'm really sorry, man. I didn't mean to do it. Please forgive me. I don't know what it was, what it must have been like for John to realize the Lamb of God. But he knew without a shadow of a doubt that Holy Spirit told him. And this beautiful scene that we find in the Bible where, you know, he, he doesn't feel worthy. And Jesus say, no, we have to be obedient. I submit to your ministry. I'm here to get baptized. Let's do this. And John gets to baptize Jesus, his cousin. 
the Lamb of God, and he hears the voice from heaven. He sees the Holy Spirit coming down, and God says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. What an incredible, for, for John, what an incredible experience it must have been. So a few chapters down the road, and we find John in prison. And John sends out his disciples, and he says, look, can you just go and ask Jesus, my cousin, are you the one? Are you the one, or should we look for another? Now, it's the same John that pointed Jesus out of a crowd and said, behold, the Lamb of God. He had no doubt He heard the Holy Spirit. He saw the Holy Spirit. He heard the voice of God. This is my beloved son. What happened? What happened to John to bring him into a place of doubting who Jesus was? Well, first of all, he's in prison. Things have not gone really well for John. His circumstances and the things, you know, the the reality that is surrounding him is just not great. And it really doesn't match to what probably he expected out of the call on his life. You know, I had this great ministry, and now I'm stuck in this prison, and I loved being out in the wilderness. You know, that's who I am. God has called me to preach and to tell people to repent. You know, I'm John the Baptist. I would have had a massive church. I would have called it the Baptist church. You know, it's, what is going on? What's happening to my core? What's happening to ministry? Is Jesus really the one? I'm stuck in this prison. And I wonder if any of you today feel like you're stuck, like things have not gone to plan. Things have not gone according to what you thought God had said about your life. You're in a place of darkness, as a prison would be, in a place of of pain and suffering. And you may be looking at Jesus and thinking, is it really? Are you the one? The second thing that we read is that John heard the works of Jesus. He heard what Jesus was doing and saying. Now, if I'd heard the miracles and the things that Jesus was, uh, was doing and saying, that probably would have confirmed it to me. But why is it making John doubt? Did John have a preconceived idea of who God was? You know, the fire that's coming down to, to, to judge. And I think, Michelle, your prayer this morning was bang on. We come with our own idea of this is how it should be. This is what God's ways are. But God's ways are far better and beyond our imagination. Did John have a preconceived ideas of, of what Jesus would have been like or what he would have done, what he would have said, how he would have said it? Was he waiting for this uh, judge, um, we know that the Israelites the, uh, were waiting for someone to restore the kingdom uh, and get rid of the Romans. Is that what John was expecting? Did Jesus let, uh, let him down, disappoint his expectation, did not meet his expectations? What he heard and what he thought didn't match. And now that he's in the darkness, he's doubting what he felt and believed when he was in the light, when he pointed out Jesus as the Lamb of God. Why did he doubt? He was in prison. What he thought 
of Jesus didn't match what he was seeing. And then he says, should we look for someone else? It's looking. Maybe I need to look at someone else. Maybe there's a better candidate. Maybe there's, maybe there's something better out there. And the question that I want to ask you today, are you looking elsewhere? Are you looking to someone else or something else for that which only God can give you? Are you looking for, for the answers in different places? Are you looking, what is pulling you away from Jesus? Is it a different belief? Is it a different thought pattern? Is it a different it's a habit, a sin? Is it what your friends are saying, what your family is saying? What is pulling you away? Where are you looking at? Where are you putting your focus and your attention? Like I was saying at the beginning, my focus was so in my thoughts and in my head and all the different circumstances. But I wasn't looking at God, the healer, God, the provider. I was looking everywhere else. My focus was just not on God. So what made John doubt? His situations, his circumstances, stuck in a prison. What he thought and his expectations and his preconceived idea of what God should be like. He was looking elsewhere to satisfy that hunger for a savior. That's what John wanted. He was waiting for the Messiah, the promised one, Say so maybe there's something else. Maybe there's someone else out there. And the answer that Jesus gives is incredible. It's not what I would have said. Because if I was the Messiah, and these guys would have come up to me and said, are you, are you the one, or should we look for someone else? I'd say, yeah, I'm the one. Easy. Very simple answer to a simple question. But Jesus says, look, go and, go and say to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Now, we might not see the, how revolutionary this, these words are, but in that context, in that culture, this was incredible. When Jesus says that the poor have the gospel preached to them, the poor in, in that culture were the complete outcasts. They were poor because they were cursed. They were, they were poor because they did not have the favor of God on them. That's what people believed. And for Jesus to say, the poor have the gospel, the good news, preached to them. Jesus is doing away with everything that had come before. All the religious system, all the, 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 uh, the belief system that people were holding on to. And he's bringing in good news. He said, this is the good news, this is the gospel. And he goes on to verse 11 and 12 and says, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than me. Than he. Thank you. If you turn to the person next to you and say, you're the least in the kingdom. But you're greater than John the Baptist. You're the least in the kingdom, but you're greater than John the Baptist. Isn't this amazing that God calls us 
into his kingdom. He holds us so precious. His love for us is so incredible that Jesus doesn't stop and say, look, this is the good news for the outcast and the broken and the lost and those that have no hope. I have come to bring good news and I'm bringing you into my kingdom where the least of these is greater than John the Baptist. After he said, there's no one greater than John the Baptist. I love Jesus. Like, what is he saying? John the Baptist is greater. Yet the least in my kingdom is greater than him. Jesus is bringing in, he's breaking into the reality of, of humanity. The God of the universe, the God creator, the, uh, the, the God that the Israelites would have known as Jehovah Jireh, Je- Jehovah um, Rapha, Rohi, my, the, the creator, the provider, the one that holds the universe in the hands, the judge, the one who is holy. Jesus brings God to humanity. So God so loved the world that I am here. I bring God to you. I am not aloof. I am not far. I am here. And I invite you into my kingdom. Where the least of these is greater than John the Baptist. God is bringing us into something new. Religion will always say, you're down there, God is up there. Religion is our failed attempts to build a bridge to get to God. And Jesus, we see this over and over again. He's always at the religious people. He's always at the religious people. Jesus had no problem with sinners. He loved them. He'd hang out with them. He never had any problems with them. They never had any problems with him. But it always come up against the religious people. And I was thinking about this. I think you can be religious even if you don't believe. I think an atheist can be religious. It's that spirit, that heart that says, I'm all right. I've got it figured out. I can, I can, you know, I've got my own belief. I've got my own spirituality. That's what a lot of people say. And sometimes in, in our hearts, there's that spirit that says, I can figure this out. I can work this out on my own. I just need to prioritize. I just need to make a list. And I just need to avoid that person and just deal with this issue. And if only I can uh, sort this thing out and, uh, you know, maybe I can uh, get right with God in this area. There's that heart that says, I can do it. I don't need God. And Jesus comes up against that over and over. Because it's our attempts to please God, to get to God, to sort ourselves out. When Jesus says, no, I've come to you. I am the God that breaks, into, uh, breaks through eternity. And I come into uh, this world to show love. He's bringing us into something new. Like I said, religion will always say, you're down there, you need to get up here. And we find God that says, I will lift you up from the dirt, from the miry clay. I've set you, your feet upon a rock. I've come, I've brought you into my kingdom. You're here, co-here with Jesus into my kingdom. And Jesus loved 
talking about the kingdom, and he talks about the kingdom over and over and again. And I heard someone say that when people ask, we shouldn't say that, we, that we're Christians. We should say that we belong to the kingdom of God, because Christians, you can associate Christianity with just religion. With any other religion, whether it's Catholicism or evangelism or um, evangelicals or Protestants, but God has brought us into a relationship with God, into the kingdom. He, he's brought us into inheritance. And then we go to this verse that is incredibly difficult. And I hope that together we can look at it and see what is Jesus trying to say. And verse 12 says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force. It's difficult. What does it mean? Now, a lot of times, I've, I've heard sermons, and I've probably uh, had the same interpretation, I've probably preached on it, and I'm not saying that it's wrong, but that it means that the, the kingdom of God belongs to those that really go after it, yeah? That really give it everything. Like, aggressive, they're so eager. There's a parallel verse in Luke 16, 16. I'll just read it very quickly for you guys. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since then, the gospel of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone is forcing his way into it. Some other trans- this is where, when you, when you get to, to a verse that it's difficult to really grapple with, you need to get all the translations available, and you need to look at and, and try to really study it, and that's why, like I said, I had to bring out the big guns today, and I wanted to look at the original text, and the Greek, and the Hebrew, and obviously I don't speak Greek or Hebrew, so I just went and read what other people have studied and researched, and, and, and uh, you know, looking at the original language. The New Living Translation will say that the, uh, the prophets and the law has kind of reached up to this point until John and now the good news is preached and people are eager to get into it, which is kind of, it's great. That's, that's, a, that's a great way of translating that people are eager to get into it. The message says that the, the law and the prophets have reached a climax with John the Baptist and I like that as well. The law and the prophets have all led to this point in the history when John the Baptist is proclaiming that Jesus is coming, that the one, the, the Lamb of God is coming. They've reached a climax. If you go into the original language of the text, you really get a sense that what this verse is saying, because what I find difficult to marry is to... to, uh, to is, the kingdom of God, Jesus, that has, that has come into the earth so that the kingdom of God is at hand. This is what Jesus is saying. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is in you. And then he's saying, but you, you take it by force. It's taken by those with violence. Why? Why do I have to take something by force that God has freely given me by grace? Why do I have to, to, to go at it with violence if, if God is saying the kingdom of God is in you? And I'm calling you into the kingdom of God. 
That's what I struggle to, to, to understand. And I'm not saying, like I said, that the other translation interpretations are incorrect. There's many different ways that we can look at this verse. But you really get a sense from looking at the original language and the original text that Jesus is saying, look, up until now, up to this moment, we've had the law and the prophets. Up until this moment, we've had a religious system that's pointed out how incredible God is and how sinful we are and how unbreachable, is that the word, Uh, is this gap between man and God. Up until this moment, we've had the law, the teaching, and the prophets. And you get a sense from the original text, but now. We don't read it here. It's not in the English language. Jesus doesn't say, but now. But you get a sense from the, you would expect it. If, if I said, look, up, up until now, this has happened. And then I don't say anything. And you would expect me to say, but now. And Jesus is saying, up until now, we've had the prophet and the law. But from this moment forward, but from now on, but from this day forward, I bring good news. God, the intangible God, has broken into eternity, has made his entrance into humanity, and he's made the God of the universe, the creator, our creator, available so that we can have a relationship with him. But from this moment onward, John, John, you're doubting. You're doubting because you're looking uh, at it from a, from a religion point of view. You're looking at your circumstances. You're stuck in your prison. You're looking at your circumstances. You say, what is going on? This is not possible. Is Jesus really the one is, who, he, who he said that he is? I'm looking at my, at my religion, my belief system, and, I, and what I think of God doesn't match. I'm looking somewhere else for the answer. And Jesus say, up until now, but from now on. But from this day forward, and I really want to speak this word over us today, because I felt that God really put that word in my heart for me. Up until now, you're struggling and you're going at it with violence, like that verse says. Up until now, you're trying to work at it. You're trying to please God. You're trying to to sort out your spiritual life on your your own and, and, and do Christianity and do church. And be a successful Christian, whatever that means. Up until now, Tano. But from this day forward, I bring good news. I bring good news. Let me deal with it. Let me take on that violence. Let me take on that aggression because I can handle it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son to die on the cross. I can take the struggle. Let me take it. I'll take the struggle away from you. You don't have to go at it with violence and, and aggression. You don't have to work at it. You don't have to struggle at it. It's here, the kingdom of God. It's for you. And it's in you. The kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus, just we read in the Gospels, this is what he talks about. He loves the kingdom. 
and he, and he starts telling stories of the kingdom of God is like this and the kingdom of God is like that. It's, it doesn't have to be taken by force. It doesn't have to be taken by struggle. It doesn't have to be obtain, uh, obtained with, with our own efforts and strengths. He says the kingdom of God is like a father that waits, that looks out into the horizon for his, for his son that got lost and is coming back. And as soon as he's seen his son coming back, he runs. I can tell you, I have no doubt that I would have beaten Hussein Bolt when I ran back to the car. I ran so fast. I have one precious thing in my life, material thing, and it's this watch, yeah? It's my Garmin watch. It trucks my sports and all that kind of stuff. Not that I do that much sport, but anyway. <laughs> but it's, it's, you know, it's the most expensive thing I own. I was running so fast, I hit it in the corner of a brick wall, and I knew I'd smashed it. I didn't care. I couldn't stop and look at my watch. I was running for my son. And that's a really bad example because God does not abandon us, doesn't forget about us. It's us that have walked away from God with their heart saying, you know what, I can do it. I can do it on my own, God. I don't need you. And when we turn away to him, we find that he's actually been running towards us the whole time. The running father, that's what the kingdom of God is like. Not struggle, not taking it by force and and, and going at it with our own struggles and efforts. It's available. Jesus reveals all that God is. We continue in the chapter, verse 25. Jesus says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise. Again, he's going at the religious. You've hidden these things from the wise, from those that think they've got it all sorted and all figured it out, and the intelligent, and you reveal them to babes, to infants, to people with childlike faith. Verse 27, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I have read this verse so many times. It's on fridge magnets, it's on posters, it's on bumper stickers, it's everywhere, book signs, it's... It's overused. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. But you put it in this context, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, this is revolutionary. Jesus is saying, you want to know Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals you? Look at me. Come to me. You want to know Jehovah Jireh, your provider? Come to me. Do you need to know the God who, is, who brings righteousness in your life? Come to me. Tim was praying this morning. I'm tired. Sometimes you're just tired. There's so much going on that it's just too much to handle. And I think that John had got to that point where he's like, I'm tired. There's too much to handle. Jesus, are you really the one? Or should I look for someone else? And isn't it incredible that John the Baptist, who pointed out the Lamb of God, had to come to a place, as Sam was saying, a place of complete surrender in prison, in the darkness, when he's got no hope. It's like, I don't know, Lord, you do what you need to do. He had to come to that place for Jesus to reveal to him, this is the good news. I have come to bring good news, John. 
up until now, got it wrong. But from this day forward, I bring good news. And you would think that with Jesus saying these things to the disciples, that they would get it. But they didn't. And I just want to bring your attention to one last thing before we close. Because I know that there will be some of us here who say, oh, wow, that's amazing. And then we leave these church, we go back to our lives, go back to our routines, our issues, our circumstances, and we'll forget it. And that's exactly what the disciples did. Jesus, he died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He came back. And he, and he spent 40 days with his disciples talking about the kingdom. We read in, chapter, in, in Acts chapter 1, he spent 40 days and he told them the things about the kingdom of God. Again, he was saying, this is the kingdom. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is in you. And this is what the kingdom is like. We're in, in Acts, yeah? This is the first church. The guys that are going to lead this movement that is going to become Christianity. You think, wow, Jesus rose from the dead. They've seen him. They've seen him in his glorified bodies walking through walls. They must have got it. They must have really got it. And this is what the disciples say in, chapter, in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. And so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is this the time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? The Bible doesn't say this, but I'm pretty sure that at this point, Jesus must have talked Italian. If not in words, in body language. Because he must have gone like, you just do not get it. You just don't get it. The disciples... They see the Jesus, the resurrected Jesus in his glorified body. And they're like, so, is this when you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? No. No, this is not the kingdom that I'm talking about. And what Jesus says to them, because I would have came them. I would have said, come on, seriously? What Jesus says to them is... Incredible, And what Jesus says to us, really, that's the promise to us as the church. He says in verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witness. Jesus is entrusting them. Jesus said, I am everything that the Father is. You want to know the Father? Look to me. And now what he's saying to the disciple is saying, The same authority, like John was saying last week, the same authority that I have, I give to you. The kingdom of God is now in you. And when this Holy Spirit comes upon you, you can be my witness. People will know that God is healer because of your witness. People will know that God is righteous because of your witness. People will know that God provides because of your witness. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Not, not only God brings us into his kingdom and makes us hair, co-hair with Jesus, he entrusts us to be his witness because he has placed the kingdom of God in us. And I know that there's some of you sitting here and you're just happy just to come and sit at church. You, I mean, you love it, 
It's fantastic. You think, wow, that's amazing. Thank you, God. I'm not worthy. I'll just sit here in my chair. And that's, that's just good enough for me because, you know, I just, I'm just happy that I made it, you know, barely made it into the kingdom, Lord. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. And God is saying, I want to pour out my spirit so that you can be my witness. I don't want you just to barely make it through the door. That's not my plan for you. Maybe up until now. Maybe up until now you've struggled and you've just barely made it through. But from this day forward, I have good news for you. And it's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God at hand. Maybe some of you have seen the baptisms a couple of weeks ago. I don't know. Yeah, maybe that could be me. I don't know. And God is saying, yes. Some of you are looking at others. They are sharing. Maybe up here from the front. Like Lucy and Sam say, oh, I don't know if I'll ever, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can pray out loud. I don't know if I can be like Daniel and go to India and the other guys on mission. Yes. God is saying yes. When the Holy Spirit is poured out on you, I have filled you to be my witnesses. And the world can know. That I am God healer, God the Father, God who loves them, God who forgives, God who redeems, God who changes lives, God who changes family situations, God who provides because of my witness through you. Maybe you can relate to John today. Maybe you're stuck in a prison of your own issues and your own... Uh, problems and circumstances and whatever addictions and your own thought process is stuck in, in, in your head. And maybe you're uh, thinking, this is not what I expected. Should I look somewhere else? And Jesus is here. Say, I am. Look no further. The kingdom of God is at, is at hand. I bring good news up until now. You may have struggled. Up until now, you may have failed. But from this day forward, I bring you good news. Amen. We're going to have communion, and I think it's a perfect opportunity to just respond. And uh, however we want to respond, where you want to get on your knees or stand up or pray with someone, put your hands in the air. Uh, But the kingdom of God is at hand. Hey, it's, it's available for me and for you. Amen.